0: Welcome to the Movieverse of Madness. Hey everybody, I'm Josh. I'm Joey. Welcome to the Movieverse of Madness, where everyone is welcome to be mama movie crazy. We take deep dives into movies of all sizes, breaking down some things you've probably seen, while giving you some recommendations of some stuff you probably want to check out. Today, Josh and I are going to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, the latest blockbuster. Well, the biggest blockbuster during COVID times, for sure. The latest stream buster. A movie that shows that theaters still have hope in a time of the pandemic. Uh, and we are also going to be going through the films of Adam Wingard. He's had a very um interesting career leading up to a uh, humongo over hundred million dollar budget uh, monster movie. Yes, he has had a wild career going from very small hometown indie movies to some of which I can't even find because I wanted to watch them. Prior Dude's, a to Dude's a hustler. Dude's um, a hustler. Yeah, to now making gigantic, uh, legendary pictures, monster movies. Um, So yeah, should be a good time. Uh, First, you want to get into The Junk Pile? Yeah, let's get into The Junk Pile. The Junk Pile is a segment in which we recommend a movie that is certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, which we think the critics got wrong. All right, so my my, uh, recommendation from The Junk Pile is 13 Ghosts, and uh, 13 Ghosts is from... Let me see two thousand one, so thirteen ghosts is from two thousand one. It's a horror movie, a horror thriller when a rich collector of unique things dies, he leaves house and fortune to his nephew and his family while they're inside, they find they are not alone and uh that of course being these thirteen ghosts um it's uh it's not a great movie, but it's just it's just a fun one Let me to ask revisit. you Have you watched this recently, Josh? I watched it, yeah, I did watch pretty, I watched it last Halloween. Okay. I watch it most Halloween. I have not watched this recently. I need to go. I need to go back and take another look. I just remember it having that MTV style, crazy fast editing. Oh yeah, it has crazy editing for sure. It has. It's like that early two thousands, that late nineties, early two thousands, um, crazy editing style. So I remember the production value being really good, and I remember the monsters being really creepy, but I don't remember if this is a good movie that I would describe as fresh, so I need to go back and check it out. Man, okay, should I pick another one? (laughs) Oh, I I just don't remember it. Hey, stick to your pick, man. It's just a fun movie. I mean, I think horror movies don't really really have a good reputation on uh, Rotten Tomatoes for the most part. But yeah, I they think tend to be polarizing. If you're not like a uh, like a James Wan conjuring movie, then you know you're probably going to be split down the middle. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's with full knowledge that this isn't a great movie. It's just it's just a fun one that's fun to watch at uh at Halloween, and it's completely ridiculous. It has Matthew Lillard in it, and he just acts like a crazy person the whole time, um, which is always fun. Well, hey, I mean Halloween Resurrection. May very well be my favorite Halloween yeah. movie after the 2018 Halloween. So it's for a time of year where it, Halloween's a time of year you just kind of like to watch goofy, scary movies and air quotes, quote unquote scary. Yeah, everyone can can hear you doing air quotes yeah. right now. <laughs> whoosh, whoosh. Uh, okay, so my uh, pick that I'm going to put on the junk pile this week is 2011's The Green Hornets. Do you remember seeing The Green Hornet, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it? What does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? 40, def- 44%. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's definitely better than that. So this is actually, believe it or not, this is one of my favorite movies. I've, really? I've seen this movie so many times. And the reason wow. I like it so much is because it's kind of like an anti-superhero movie. Mm -hmm. I think the reason a lot of people didn't like it is this was around the time that Seth Rogen's career hadn't matured quite a bit. He's doing a lot of awesome stuff um, in terms of producing, especially in television. But this was the time when people were like, okay, Seth Rogen is kind of hitting that Will Ferrell stage where you're doing the same thing over and over again, and this is getting kind of boring now. And I don't think he is great in the movie, but I think the movie around him is really great. I mean, you have uh, an awesome supporting cast. Um, Cameron Diaz, who is just like too good for this material, who shouldn't be there. Um, Cameron Diaz is in Green Hornet? Yeah, you don't remember? What? Cameron Diaz is in Green Hornet? Yeah, she's in Green Hornet. Um, And then you have Christoph Waltz who is an awesome villain. And fun fact, what they did when they were writing the script, um, uh, Seth Rogen and his writing partner, Evan Goldberg, is that they actually met with uh, Shane Black. and They're like, okay, we need to write an action script. It's a superhero movie. What do we do? And Shane Black was like, look at all the superhero movies. Look at what they're doing. Just do everything opposite from that and then the comedy will just write itself and that's what they did they have a really incompetent lead quote-unquote superhero and then another guy uh Cato, played by jay chow who does everything he's like his sidekick is the one who does everything but the 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 lead is just too just too arrogant to realize it. Exactly, he's incompetent, and his sidekick is the only competent one. And I think the thing that really sets this movie apart is that it's directed by freaking Michelle Gondry. Yeah, there is an action movie out there that I don't think a lot of people have seen. That's directed by Michelle Gondry, and the action scenes are so incredibly cool. He's such a creative filmmaker, and he. The Cato Vision. Do you remember Cato yes. Vision in that movie? So yeah, cool. like he had he had really cool, really distinctive ideas as to how he was going to shoot the action, and that's what got him the job. And Christoph Watts is a really cool villain. He has that like a uh, double barrel well, yeah. pistol. He it's a really good idea for a, a super villain. He's going through a midlife crisis. Yeah, like all all he wants he he just wants to be a scary villain, Man. but he's not intimidating. So he goes through this arc where. He, he, he just keeps trying to be more intimidating and more scary, and it just, it never works. Oh, I like it. And uh, Joey, okay, something just came to me. Can I throw out another one? Sure, go ahead. Because it just came to me, and I, wanna, I want you to guess what the Rotten Tomato score is. Okay, so a movie we grew up loving, and I mean, we still love it to this day. We still put it on. Um, Hot Rod. Oh, gosh, that's got to be real. I'm guessing that's in the 30s. Yeah, dude, it's thirty nine. Yeah, it's know, a thirty nine on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't see. I've actually showed that movie to some people, and they're like, "This is stupid." Oh my! It's so it's so misunderstood. Like people just don't understand the comedy. I think it's it's like it's definitely a different form of comedy. But oh my! It, oh my god! It kills me. It is a so it is crazy. a very odd movie. We still quote it to this day. Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah. I've I've had. You know, I've made friends with coworkers like not too long ago where they quote the movie. I think I think that's like our you know how like some people that are a little older they think like Animal House is the most hilarious movie ever? Yeah. I think like movies like that are a version of Animal House. Yeah, Hot Rod for me is one of the all-time favorite movies. Like, I could I could turn that on right now and just laugh nonstop. Well, it's so funny. Especially that first scene. Where you see him gearing up for a stunt, and there's all this triumphant music, and then he just wipes out. Yeah. Ah. Uh, it's yeah. And that was before a lot of a lot of guys were really really big, like Bill Hader's in it, Danny McBride's in it, um, the lonely the Lonely Island crew. Well, I guess oh, so one of them directed it, and then yeah, Jor, I, Jorma T-Tacon? It's No, wait. no, no. He's, a- the, a- he's a- the, a- the one Schaefer, that's right? in it, and Akiva Schaefer directed yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, so that whole Lonely Island crew that was kind of their first their first feature right yes yeah i think so yeah yeah so he, he he wants to um he wants to win his dad's his stepdad's respect by beating him up and he just he just can't beat him up not only that the the movie hinges on him raising money so that his dad can get surgery so that he can get more healthy so that Rod can then beat him up. Oh my god, it's so good. It's oh, it's such a funny uh, movie. I love it. Um okay. Yeah. So that concludes the junk pile. Do you want to get to the main event? Let's do it. All right. Uh, um so we're going to talk yeah. about uh, that's one kong impression. Nice. Nice. Uh so we're going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong, um, and let's just say we're going to spoil it because I mean there there really is no spoiling this movie, right? And honestly, I don't think I have that much to say about it. So. I mean, it really kind of it, it was great. It had some crazier science fiction that was really confusing, and what I wasn't expecting it. But like how the movie played out, and especially how it ended, is exactly how I thought it would. Oh yeah, I mean so. I I predicted honestly everyone predicted I was like this movie is going to be Batman versus Superman okay what's going to happen is that Kong and Godzilla are going to have one scuffle another scuffle there's going to be a misunderstanding and then they have to team up to fight a bigger bad guy at the end of it and that's exactly Yeah what it's happened. just it's going to be a few brawls and then they're going to they're going to respect each other You know I thought it was weird when um Godzilla when when godzilla had had king kong dead to rights and then king kong said martha save martha and then godzilla you are you are not the only one to make that joke really i promise you (laughs) i've heard that so much um why don't you tell us why don't you tell us the story josh oh my god the story um uh okay so king kong is basically the main character yeah, um, well, it's, Godzilla uh, really takes a backseat. I hope yeah. people watching this were not a Godzilla fan. Yeah. So what happens is it seems like Godzilla is um, attacking, attacking different places around the earth. I get. Okay, so we we no he, he attacked an Apex base. Oh, great. He attacked an Apex. Apex base. Apex was but... this like super secretive research facility that's doing some shady stuff, and we know this. Because a podcaster who does not disguise his voice and apparently is recording podcasts like in his in his van, like he's fairly public about this. He's basically posting conspiracy theories about what's going on at Apex while he is an active employee there. You would think a, a facility like that with such um secretive technology they would have superior security protocols that would weed that kind of stuff out so yeah was, okay the problem was there was so much going on in this movie there, there was. was this really seemed like um you know pr- pr- hey release the snyder cut of this movie there there's probably a four-hour cut of this movie that w- makes way more Dude, sense no i actually saw um an article where people were asking Adam Wingard, about the movie and about the cut, and he was like, yeah, we put in everything in here. There won't be another cut. Yeah, but it seems like the whole movie was just rushing. The entire time, we were just rushing, rushing, especially toward the end, well, which okay, is what we'll talk okay. about. Godzilla attacks the Apex base, um, and so they're like, okay, so so we need to return... Okay, what they decide they need to return Godzilla to the Hollow Earth. Why... Because they think the hollow Earth will lead them to... So the the CEO of Apex Technologies, he believes that King Kong came from the hollow Earth and that he will lead them to a power source that they can use for renewable energy. But, you know, he actually has... Uh, some more sinister plans in mind because he wants to use that power source to power mecha okay, okay. Godzilla Okay, okay. So but the thing but so yeah, That's the whole plot. Them going to them them taking Kong to the Hollow Earth has nothing to do with Godzilla. Well, no. Not not that we know of the ultimate goal for um, Well, okay, but then how does he pitch Damian it? For Damian Bashir. How does he pitch it to the Dude, scientists I just told you sustainable energy for the entire world but okay so he doesn't mention godzilla at all no okay got it okay man there's okay there's so much i dude, mean there I, were, I don't i don't think so they were don't at me bro like reverse gravity spaceships in this movie dude oh yeah well i that knew. they don't yeah they that they just like have and can pilot it's crazy see i knew we were in for some wonky sci-fi stuff when well Actually, first off, when we saw Kong wake up in the jungle and then he throws a a tree at the sky and it turns out they're in this super technologically advanced dome. I don't know what year this takes place, but this is like leaps and bounds beyond any technology that was hinted at in the other movies. Um, Yeah, the other ones were more, I mean, as grounded as you can be with a monster movie, but they definitely definitely didn't have insane technology. And... Skull well, Island took place in, like, the exactly. 80s. exactly. Skull Island had no significant, like, technological advances outside of the time. Um, but, uh, so Damien Bashir, he approaches Alexander Skarsgård, and he's like, hey, you're a failed novelist slash researcher of the hollow earth, but I think you got everything right. Um, I want you to lead my ragtag crew uh to the hollow earth using these spaceships that i invented that can invert their own gravity once they go into the hollow earth. So, once I once I started hearing all this, I'm like, wait, this raises too many questions. He uh, also that scientist also has a brother who went into the ho- the hollow earth and i guess basically couldn't handle the gravity reversal and got smushed. Yeah, it it yeah, it doesn't matter. They were they literally had a graphic of the spaceship just like flipping over yeah so yeah we're not gonna tell you how it works but this is what's gonna happen well there's a lot of just shorthand to get to the next beat yeah and then okay so they established that skull island was somehow was was like uh hollow earth on that has somehow sprouted up exactly yeah like the outer earth but it, but then they just they're like okay but the easiest thing to do would be to go to antarctica no no but like a, a storm came and destroyed uh skull island and that's why they have king kong in this facility oh, dude yeah okay this they, is they packed just, with information dude which this is, is packed with information which is really weird because like they they actually built up a world with skull, with uh with skull island and in this movie, they just, like, basically just in one line, just talk that whole movie away. It was like, yeah, storm came. Uh, Although that whole civilization went bye-bye. Which is so weird because to me, Skull Island is by far the best movie in this oh, franchise. Yeah, dude, okay. I've heard. I've I've seen some reviews where people are talking about like oh, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite one of this bunch is. Like, dude, it's clearly Kong Skull I know, Island. I know people like like the slow burn, down to earth style of the first Godzilla movie, but and you know that that one has really good moments. <laughs> yeah, but Kong Skull Island is consistently entertaining. It has great action. It has great characters. Um, uh, it, um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is great in that movie as a villain. Yes. Um, Tom Hiddleston has really cool moments. It's a it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. And uh, Toby Kebbell apparently mocapped Kong. Oh yeah. You know how Toby Kebbell was in the movie and he gets killed off earlier, and you're you're like, it's Toby Kebbell. What man? His career his career is really taking a hit. Why is he in this movie? Well, he was mocapping Kong. Nice. Um. So. And John C Reilly. Yeah, John C Reilly. You remember Toby Kebbell's uh accent in that movie? Yeah, is that a monkey? Well, I do declare we're gonna go fight this monkey here. Yeah? Oh my goodness! Um, but yeah, so I like Toby Kebble though. What happens in this movie? Um, so they okay, so inch, go- Yeah, they go. They go to Antarctica, and okay, so somehow this organization is able to get like four massive. Um, what do you call them? Carrier, what do you call them? What are those big aircraft shit? Aircraft carriers? Yeah, four massive aircraft carriers. And uh, to go on this journey from, I don't know where, I don't know exactly where they are, but all the way to Antarctica. Um, I don't know how they got the sign off from that. But then since, I, I guess they, okay, they tied him down, but they also sedated him. Yeah. Which I wonder what the process of sedating King Kong is. Um, And Godzilla decides... There's only room for one giant being on this world. So he just starts wrecking all the ships. Yeah, yeah. Godzilla comes out of nowhere and just I guess, pro- just provoked by nothing. He's like, you know what? I'm just gonna stop. I'm, well, because, I'm gonna stop all of you from doing that. So I think it's like they guess that that Godzilla can sense Kong because yeah. they both have the hollow earth energy. Right? Is that what they say? Oh, I don't... Where did you get that from? How else could he... How could... Else could he sense him? What, he can just smell him in the air? I Well, uh, in, in a lot of the other movies, Kong does actually travel to where the other Titans are. So, like, he can sense when there's... Kong? A, oh, sorry, sorry. Godzilla. Godzilla. Okay, Godzilla. He, he goes off of... He can... I think there's this thing where he can sense like uh, disturbance in the the equilibrium, basically, of the world. Oh, that's right. So yeah, so Godzilla can sense the other Titans. Yeah, yeah. but the problem is, I mean, we're, you know, Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown is talking about how oh yeah, Kong she's in this is, movie. Yeah, a lot of people are in this movie. Um, but she's talking about like Kong would never do this. Kong is, you know, a savior. Kong fights for us. Like, no, man, he is. He's wrecking a bunch of people. I'm talking like how can you say Godzilla is a savior for all humanity? Well I think he's he just like, wiping people out. They wanted to make it balanced, like they didn't want too many people on yeah, but it's not, King Kong side and too many people on Godzilla's side. Or or nobody on Godzilla's side. So you have like these three characters that are actually like Godzilla's misunderstood, guys. But Godzilla is the instigator. He's the one that starts all of us. Yeah, that dude can really mean mug. Yeah. Uh yeah. pretty pretty cool fight. Um, yeah, The okay, the cool thing about this movie is it's it's so dumb, but the monster fights are really good, man. It reminded me yeah, of uh, Pacific Rim. Yeah, I, I told you this is the best version of what this movie possibly could be, yeah. but watching monsters fight doesn't really excite me that much. No, not really, because there's, I mean, well, I think we're kind of numb to big giant big giant cgi things fighting like i think the transformers movies just kind of they wreck that um even the transformers movies like i love the first transformers movie because there's a lot of really creative uh action especially near the end where everybody's transforming and it looks really cool um i think the problem i have with the monster fights is that they they make them look realistic enough in that if you're if you're watching from the point of view of a human, their their actions are going to be slower, right? Yeah. But that doesn't really make for dynamic fights when everyone's punching really slow. I mean, I actually I thought I thought that it was cool that they actually made them slower as if they were humongous beasts that literally have to move um, thousands of pounds every time they throw a punch. Yeah. I well, kinda like that. And I, I thought that the fight near the end between Godzilla and Kong was a lot better because it was in okay so they go to the hollow earth um, Kong. well okay so well basically they get out of that that fight by um, like Godzilla pretty pretty much, much wrecks everything but then and King Kong's down for the count and then they decide to shut off the engines to make Godzilla feel like he he won well, and no, so Godzilla they, just goes They away. threw like some charges in the ocean or something I I actually was very confused as to what they did to deter Godzilla. Well no, because remember Because he was they, drowning Kong. Well, okay, the way they the way they deterred him, yeah, okay, they set off some charges and then but they definitely said turn off all the engines to make it seem like we're just dead in the water. Yeah. And he won. Yeah, and so Godzilla just goes away. Yeah, yeah, but I have questions about those charges. Well, also we forgot that um on this little on this little transit we uh we found out that Kong has a best friend and it's a teeny tiny little girl and she taught him sign language. Um, yeah, I had a lot of questions about that because you see proportionally how much bigger Kong is compared under, to this little girl, and also he's under twenty four hour surveillance, dude. He puts his finger up to her. And she is basically like smaller than his nail on his finger. Yeah. Dude, the robot chicken version of that scene would have been him putting his finger up to her and then just splat. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I I question how he is able to even read her sign language because. Imagine he's so yeah, because she's so tiny. Imagine you 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 look at an ant, right, right? That's exactly what I was thinking. And then the ant raises one of its uh, one of its legs, one of its appendages, and starts doing sign language. You would probably not be able to see it. Well, so the thing about this this movie and this version of Kong is. They had to make him massive because they knew he was going to eventually fight Godzilla, right? Yeah, so he's, he's so grown up a little bit. They had to make him the same size, whereas the original uh, King Kong was, like, uh, climbing up climbing up buildings. And in this version, he actually is the size of a building. Yeah, which he does climb up buildings a little bit, but it doesn't take a long time because he's huge. Yeah. But, um, okay, so they go to the Hollow Earth. um, uh God God's a, or King Kong immediately knows his way around it. Like he's he's been there before. Um He's like my dog at a dog park. He gets <laughs> really excited. Yeah. He sees this temple that looks like it's a temple for him or maybe it's his lineage. Like, is it him or is it his? It's for lineage? It, it's for his lineage. Like that's been there mm. before. Cool. And but then he gets like a freaking dope axe. That was pretty cool. What? Yeah. Which has one of the. um Tail uh, spikes or whatever from Godzilla—it's pretty sick. So they've had a long history. Yeah, and that axe is used to power the Hollow Earth, which has that massive energy source, which apparently also powers Godzilla's lightning breath. Oh, I thought the I thought the the axe is is just like a conductor of that power or something oh i'm something like dude who we're, knows? we're thinking about this way too much yeah because all this is shorthand right i think they're i think they're uh they're kind of hoping that you just don't ask too many questions yeah josh i don't know if you saw this coming but there's a double cross remember when they fight each other Yeah. oh yeah double cross with with isa gonzalez yeah she the daughter. Sends his daughter, oh, yeah, into into the freaking Hollow Earth. Like you know, she's probably she's like, going on a suicide mission, dude. Yeah, my my dad works for Apex. I'm I'm totally coming. But yeah, they <laughs> they bust out these drones, which like I don't think these these little like um, crawling uh, like mechanical dog creatures like this tech wouldn't exist a century from now, okay? They go out, they drill into the hollow earth, they extract a little cylinder of this energy, and they just, like, they process, I I guess, the the compound structure. There's a lot of of made-up stuff, too. Yeah, and then somehow that is fed directly over to, um, like, millions of miles up to the surface um, at the Apex site, where they are trying to power a mecha Godzilla, I I have no idea how sending this signal gives them this immense uh power. Like I, I'm even having a hard time explaining it. It's all shorthand. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I just started dozing off as you were explaining it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. then King Kong crushes Isaac Gonzalez's ship, which was which was actually kind of funny um there oh there are so many times in this movie where there's some kind of monster that's about to attack somebody and then out of nowhere they get swiped up by king kong or godzilla to the point where you just know it's gonna happen every time a moment like that pops up yeah so um kong laser breaths uh down millions no, he doesn't. of miles into the no, center of the earth. No, yes, he doesn't because Kong doesn't have laser breath. Joey, okay. Godzilla laser breaths millions of miles into the center of the Earth, so that basically to cry out to Kong, like, come fight me. No, you know what it looked like to me. It looked like King Kong was a little hungover. Oh yeah, you think he he was partying the night before? <laughs> he was just he just had to boot and rally. Well, he he was he in Hong hunched Kong, over. Dude. He once he hunched over and just right into the ground they go so hard in 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 hong kong Mm -hmm. um so yeah kong crawls (laughs) out of of the hollow earth it's it is wild how fast this happens yeah because considering how fast it took them to get into the hollow earth oh yeah but then they have a fight in hong kong which is like a made-up hong kong with neon just Everywhere. What well, do? How do you know it's made up? You've been to Hong Kong, Joe. I have not been to Hong Kong. No. You don't know if it's made up. I okay, think they yeah. filmed I should all that, that in that Hong Kong. Actually all I, All I know him. is um, Adam Wingard, knowing his filmmaking, I feel like he he likes him some neon. Yeah, he likes neon, and he likes uh, synth. Yeah, and um, I think all of all of his creativity as a filmmaker really paid off in this sequence specifically. Yeah. Because this was actually really cool, because you have Kong um, jumping from building to building, almost like a jungle gym, which yeah. was really cool. Um, and I thought the fight between him and Kong was really cool, especially or him and Godzilla was really cool, yeah. especially because he got to use this axe. Yeah, yeah, the axe part was really cool. But, lo and behold, Godzilla gets the best of him again. And then Godzilla kind of, he kind of has the chance to just end Kong, but he doesn't do it. Yeah, I was a little confused by that. Because we know Kong is someone who kills uh, Titans Mm. when he senses that they're a threat. Although, I don't think Godzilla ever posed a threat to humanity. So, I I think Godzilla's just... Just kind of a jerk. Well, you know, in King Kong never sought, sought out Godzilla to attack him, right? No. It was always like Godzilla was more the aggressor. was always the instigator. Yeah, so maybe he was just like, okay, no, I'm good.
1: Yep. Maybe,
0: you know, maybe he had a moment of reflection where he was like, you know what? This isn't right. I need to step away. Well, he also laughs at Kong. Do you see, yeah. there's a little clip of him, like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. King Kong uh, gets up and he pops his shoulder back into the socket. Well, not okay. So <laughs> he, so Kong is about to die. Yeah, and he gets brought back to life using the power of the, the gravity core. Ship. Yeah, yeah. Alexander Skarsgard, who does not know how to pilot the ship, by the way, he has no training, but he how, does pilot it. Yes, he does. Yeah. He, but you're saying he shouldn't know how to it. It's like that. it's similar to um I it made me think about Armageddon when like all of these uh oil drillers were going so to become astronauts fa- in two yeah. weeks. Yeah. It's like, hey, you're gonna go on our uh a voyage to the center of the earth without any training whatsoever, you down? Like, yeah, I'm down. So you're a failed scientist and everybody thinks you're a total hack author. You're gonna get this new uh, hyper tech spaceship, and you're gonna pilot it all the way down to the center of the Earth on the most important mission mankind's ever seen. You ready? And he says, "Yeah, my book isn't selling very well. Might as well, man." Yeah, so he brings Kong back to life using the—I forget how they described it—like, like a power source that could light up Las Vegas dude okay we shouldn't even talk about the whole Mecha Godzilla thing so because there there's this trend and I it's a trend I see a lot in Warner Brothers movies frankly um, where you have a showdown between the protagonist and the antagonist it's all done you think the movie's over and then like nope we have to introduce a completely new villain that this is like that Doomsday thing, 100%. Yeah, I was it. just about to say Doomsday. Doomsday. Um, Wonder Woman does it when they pull out, like, a CGI villain right at the very end. Like, it was me the entire time. Uh, it was like David Thewlis, I think. Um, he was, like, he was in the rest of the movie, but there's this big twist, like, oh, I'm actually a CGI bad guy. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of movies do this, and it's just, it's, it's really bad because... You, there, there are no stakes because you know nothing about the um, the antagonist. Well, in this case, the antagonist is a giant metal Godzilla. So, I mean, you're you're not going to feel any way about it. You know, you don't really know what the danger is to society. And honestly, I don't think that it's a bad plan to create a mechanical Godzilla to defeat Godzilla because he's destroying millions of lives every time he senses a threat right yeah it's a good idea but the problem is that they decided to use the power from a titan's head a skull actually yeah bring it down man (laughs) what break it down i don't know i don't know how to break this down and then they were trying to control it with this this guy who was hooked up to to control it almost like how they do in pacific Rim. yeah right? but then it malfunctions it's like mechagodzilla the vr experience it malfunctions and then the artificial intelligence takes over and the mechagodzilla is able to operate on its own well i i didn't know if it was the artificial intelligence I thought it was, like, King Ghidorah just, like, taking over the robot. Oh, is that what was happening? What is this movie? I I know, dude. This is... they, They do not explain any of this. I mean... So the Dude, but I mean honestly, like if they explained every crazy thing in this movie, it would well they, be way too dude. Hard. They they make it too complicated. Yeah. They make it so complicated that they can't even explain it. It, it all makes, has to be it, it kinda it. boggles your mind why it has to be so complicated when it's basically just like Godzilla and King Kong have to fight. I thought it was a really cool idea to have Mecha Godzilla in this, but why don't you just introduce that as a threat early on in the movie yeah. so that we can, you know, like I'm really tired of having movies where um, two characters have to they, they fight each other multiple times. And then they're like, you know what, we have to come together for a new existential threat that's that just randomly appears at the end of the movie. I don't re- I don't really like that. Introduce the actual villain, like the actual threat. Early in the movie, so that they can come together early. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Um, I do think having Adam Wingard as the director was um, a big help with, because I mean this movie is really goofy, and I think he, I think he's able to operate in that kind of goofy, that goofy cinematic world where it kind of it comes across more, more. Fun than dumb more often than not, I feel like. I think, I think he had a lot of fun making this movie. And there there are really interesting creative flourishes, especially like, I mean, these are CGI fights, but if you imagine like, oh, okay, what if we have a shot over Kong's shoulder when he's doing this? What if we like strap the camera to kong's arm yeah they definitely definitely got a lot more creative with the framing of the monster fights yeah Yeah. Um, very similar again to what they did with pacific rim i think the thing that saved pacific rim from being a boring like monster beat-em-up is that they did have pretty creative fight scenes Mm. they had a, a pretty pretty good shot selection and for the most part, you could tell what was going on. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting tracking this whole King Kong, Godzilla, was it like Titan universe or whatever? Um, how they've had a lot of these indie directors that they've uh, they've got on board for these. So it's, the first movie was um, Gareth Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, Gareth Edwards, who was... A indie sci-fi director. Yeah, he directed from, Monsters. Very good movie. Yeah, and then they had uh, Kong Skull Island, where they had an indie an indie comedy director. That was Jordan vaught Roberts. Yep. And then the in uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, they had an indie horror director, Michael Doherty. Okay, yeah. Michael And, I, and I, I like that filmmaker. I I didn't like that movie, but yeah, it Trick or Treat and uh Krampus, they're both really good. Yes, that was a movie that took itself way too seriously. And this mm. is a movie that does not take itself too seriously. Yeah. So And then this movie they got um an indie thriller director and that's Adam Wingard. So you want to talk a little bit about Adam Wingard's career? Sure. Do you do you want to give final thoughts on Godzilla vs Kong? Uh I mean it's like it's a it's a fun dumb movie. I mean, I, think, I don't know if anybody, like, won't have fun watching it. I think it's as as fun as it could possibly be. Yeah, I think it's about as good as you could possibly do with a Godzilla versus Kong movie. Yeah. Um, I in, enjoyed it. Um, I have no interest in watching it again. Some of it was just way too dumb. And I, I wish they actually did. I, I did, I did get watch the, it again. I did but, get the feeling in the last half that they were just kind of writing it on the fly, um, and I, I I wish I wish more of it made sense. That's all. This is a very interesting win for Adam Wingard because it means he's going to probably get to do a lot more interesting product uh, projects because of this. But well, we are not snobs, and we realize this is a fun movie. Well, no, I mean, we're dude. I, 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 hey, I really like Green Hornet, and a lot of people don't like that. I talked about that earlier. So, no, it's. I, I'll just admit, it's it's not my thing. I also didn't go in it with any expectations. Like, I didn't expect it to be great either. No, so I think it. You know, it met my. It is, it really is bearing the weight of like the only blockbuster that you can see right now. Yeah, and I we, think when we you had, put it in the context of that, it's, uh, kinda, yeah, it's kinda kind of yeah, kind of we basically had an entire year. Of no blockbusters, this was there was there was Tenant, but Tenant. I mean, a lot of people didn't know even that it existed, and it, it's a very cerebral thriller. I wouldn't. I yeah, wouldn't even but call like, it a blockbuster. considering we didn't even have any superhero movies where cities were being destroyed, usually there are a bunch of movies that come out in in theaters that where. It's like a bunch of cities being destroyed, and we didn't have any yeah. of those. And th- this was it. This mm. was it. So yeah. I, I do think it scratched that edge. You know, you I'm think not gonna movies. Lie. You think Hollywood has a problem with destroying cities? Um, they had no problem destroying Hong Kong in this movie. No, <laughs> I, I think like they have like a like, uh, a, a, a zest for a good city Ooh. destruction. Well, yeah, like a lot of a lot of destruction. Like I, I just get kind of numb to that stuff. Yeah, that's part of why I, I don't like uh, Man of Still and um, Man of Still. <laughs> Man of Still. <laughs> like, he he lost it. And he's just like stuck. Somebody duct taped him somewhere, and he's just like he can't move. Man, Man of, of still. still. <laughs> he just he just got covered in super glue. Yeah. Ooh, cri- Kryptonian super glue. Kryptonian super glue. So yeah, he can't move anywhere. That would be torture. He's, he's king of. He's Man of Still. Okay, well let's get into a quick filmography of Adam Wingard. Okay, so uh yeah, Adam Wingard, he started making movies at a really early age. Um yeah, he's he's just a guy with I don't even I don't even know if he has that many resources because he made very cheap indie movies it looks like and he even went the mumblecore route for a while where I believe he was friends with, like, Joe Swanberg and... Um, yeah, they were buds. Yeah, so he he definitely came from that side of filmmaking in the 2000s where it was really down, and dirty, gritty, shoot it really fast. It doesn't have to be, like... It doesn't have to have the best production quality. Just get the movie out. Ad-lib a lot. Like kind of have an outline yeah. to your story. Yeah, yeah. Lots, lots of ad-lib. You don't have to have like a full script. So his IMDb uh, bio says at 19 he made his uh, feature, f- uh, his directorial debut with Homesick. And then at 24 he made Pop Skull, his next feature. So that's starting early. Yeah, But then he probably... I've not seen either of those because I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, so can't look to the quality. But, I mean, that's freaking impressive. Yeah, um, so the, the first movie I saw of his was A Horrible Way to Die, which... Which he made in 2010, and he yeah. would have been... If I can do math... 27? Yes. Yeah, well, A Horrible Way to Die... um it got a lot of pretty good festival press when uh, when it came out. Um, I remember I saw it because there was a really compelling trailer um, that just had all these really great quotes. And I d- I saw a uh, so this was when he first started working with his writing partner uh, Simon, Simon Barrett. Barrett. Yeah, and this um, movie doesn't feel very written though. Is a thing. Well, okay, so I saw. Um, an interview with Simon Barrett where they were talking about, he was talking about a horrible way to die. He said that movie got um, programmed in a lot of horror film festivals and he thought it was really funny because it's not really much of a horror it's, film. It's a drama. Um, but I guess just from the title, everybody just assumed it was a slasher movie. Yeah. It's, it's a drama about a serial killer. Um Well, it's about a woman who used to date a serial killer and she's. Constantly paranoid and uh, feels like she has to be on the run from him. Um, and it actually stars, I think it stars Joe Swanberg and um, Amy Simons. Is that right? Yeah, Amy Simons yeah. in it and A.J. Bowen, Bowen, who is he constantly works with. Yeah, that was the one bright spot of the movie I remember. Because I, I, I saw it, I think, back in 2011 after it had come out. Um, and he is really good. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting filmmaking in it. Uh, but it definitely has that mumblecore quality of it, where either you're into it or you're not into it. Where people are obviously yeah. ad living I think one of the best mumblecore performers I've ever seen is Jake Johnson. Oh yeah, well Jake is, Johnson crushes mumblecore he's movies. Just, he's just a natural comedian. Yeah, um, and he's he's just so good because like it's it's that thing of you can be a good actor, but with mumblecore you have to actually be good at keeping a conversation going and just making up dialogue on the spot. And Jake Johnson is so... It seems like he's just so naturally good at coming up with the next topic on the spot. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Horrible Way to Die. It was interesting, but um, pretty uh, boring until the end. But it definitely showed a lot of promise as to what this guy could do with a very low budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until... Uh, you're next I that was, think that was the next year 2011 yeah that people really started to take notice yeah and I don't of, think this of was them like, as a writing team um, yeah Simon Barrett and Adam wingard and I don't think this was a huge movie right but it definitely people definitely took notice at oh, least in like well, the indie horror yeah this circles. one had a really interesting um, uh, uh, kind of path into theaters because I think it was made for less than a million dollars. I think. I'm, I'm not sure. But it was pretty low budget. Um, it screened at some film festivals. And people just went nuts over it. And Lionsgate, Lionsgate paid money. They, they fronted the money. And they're like, okay, we're going to release this in four years. Or something like that. It was like... Yeah, I they, remember they, that. They took a really long time to release it. Did it not? I feel like it didn't. Because he also did a segment of VHS... Then, and he did a segment of ABC's of Death. He did a segment of VHS 2. Did it come out before those? Uh, I feel like I remember just waiting for this movie, waiting to see this movie for a while, and it's just never coming out. It def it definitely came out after we graduated. I think I think I saw it in 2013 or 14. Because it's, it's listed as 2011. Yeah, but, I, I remember yeah. seeing it in 2013, I think so yeah it uh so they took a while to release it and everyone was so pissed um but yeah we freaking loved this movie yeah well i dude i went to see it in a theater by myself actually no i I went with uh my then girlfriend current wife and and we both loved it and then i was like hey josh uh we were like painting houses at that time we didn't have a lot of money I'm like we should go to a late showing of this movie. you would love it let's let's go see it yeah uh, and it was great it's 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 a really fun movie to watch with the crowd. I hope like eventually movie theaters are gonna reopen but yeah it has a lot it's like it's one of those slasher movies that's not a bummer it's a it's one of those slasher movies that you actually like you chip exactly. on. that's what's so great about it is that it has a protagonist and it doesn't even it doesn't even follow like that powerful woman trope that a lot of people hate where it's like, if, if you want to have a strong female character, just make her really good at Kung Fu, you know, no. the, the thing that people accuse Joss Whedon of doing a lot, it's like shorthand for strong female protagonists, but she's like, she's really smart, really resourceful. Um, and I'm shocked that Charney Vincent didn't become a bigger star <laughs> Dude, yeah, after this movie. That's the, that might be the craziest thing about this movie is that she didn't become a humongo star from this. Yeah, well, she, she's so great in the movie because she's just, she's tough. It's like, she's not gonna beat anybody hand-to-hand. She's gonna, like, surprise someone Punch him in the throat and run away. And she's so freaking likable in this movie, man. Oh yeah, she's she's great. This movie she's, also she's kind of acting circles around everybody in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Adam Swam or uh, Adam Wingard, he has a lot of his uh, regulars in the movie. Yeah, so um, Joe Swanberg's in it. AJ Bowen's in it. Ty Barbara West, Crampton's in it. Ty West and Joe Swanberg in it. Yeah, Ty, yeah. Ty <laughs> West is the first to die. Yeah, Barbara Barbara Crampton is uh, is in it, and I, that was kind of like the start of her horror revival, right? A little bit, I think. Yeah. And, she, and she's still doing stuff now. His her husband in the movie was what was his name? He was from Reanimator. Yeah, I forget his name. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, so they had some comedy legends in there too. But yeah, but that was that was a movie where they're really cool sequences yeah. and you could tell this guy if he wants to do horror, he's gonna make it horror movies. But if he wants to do action, he could probably make some really awesome action movies. Yeah. And uh, his next movie, The Guest, kind of like it took all those sensibilities through a couple more million dollars at him. The Guest is great. And he makes like one of my favorite movies of all time. Dude, yeah. The Guest is up there, man. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I um, I I watch it like almost every year for Halloween. It's yeah. a cool Halloween movie because it takes place around Halloween, um, and it's just a really cool, low budget action movie. And guess what? Not a lot of people flip and saw it. Yeah, what? Which is so shocking. Um, so let me read the synopsis. It, uh, it like kickstarted those... Dan uh, Dan Stevens' Hollywood career, basically. Yeah, because he was coming right off Downton Abbey, right? Yeah. And then everybody was like, what? This dude is like a muscle This guy up. is awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, a soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family, claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. After the young man is welcomed into their home, a series of accidental deaths seem to be connected to his presence. Yeah. That's, it's, a, that's a good – that's a pretty good uh, logline of it. It's such a cool story. It's like after I watched that movie, I'm like – I. I wish I wrote the scripts because it's really clever, man. Oh, man. Yeah. It's basically like uh, Captain um, Captain America Gone Bad. Yeah. It's like it has and it has a lot of shades of other movies in there. There's a little bit of Terminator in there. Um, there's like a lot of some Michael Myers stuff in there. Yeah. The style's really cool. It takes place during Halloween. They even said because this is, again, a collaboration between Adam Wingard and, uh, and Simon Barrett. They said that it, they wanted it to be Halloween meets Terminator and yeah, they nailed the, that. The look and the soundtrack, they were both inspired a lot by Drive. Nice, yeah. And, yeah, you, and all of those uh, all of those influences are on the screen. It has this really cool action scene um, right near the the middle uh, of the movie um where this house just gets destroyed, and it's again, it's a low budget movie, so mm-hmm. they're just pumping bullets into this one section of the house um It turns out that they actually got that house because the couple that owned the house said that they were remodeling uh, a certain section of the house, and like they could just riddle it with bullets if they wanted to nice, so yeah, so they they uh spent a lot of money to. Um, just bring out all of this ammunition, so that they could have these extras just unload clips. Yeah, and, uh, and Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard said he had no idea that guns run out of bullets really quick. So machine fast. guns, like you know, man, they just like it's like a few seconds and you're done. Yeah. I didn't know that's how guns work. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, th- they had like M16s and stuff. Those things only have like thirty some odd bullets. And like And they're you know, done in a few seconds. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the uh dude the climax takes place at a high school um Halloween uh like maze, like a Halloween maze that they set up. I mean nobody else is in the Halloween it is in the high school at the time. But it's just such a cool set, set piece. piece. So freaking cool. Yeah. And Dan Stevens, I can't say enough about him in this movie because he is so cool, he was like, Just so you cool. you wish this guy was your friend, and even when he turns that, yeah,' you're like this, a, guy's, the bad guy. this guy is bad guy, this guy's still really cool. Yeah. he' the coolest brainwashed cyborg I have ever seen um so then we have uh kind of, we have a a weird curveball, and that's blair witch, and I remember oh, this that was before death note, yeah, Ooh. that's what that's how it's listed. Well, I remember seeing a uh a preview that was that said the woods at the end of it, yeah, like not they were keeping only that it under wraps. They had promotional material for the woods, yeah, but I, it was like a secret Blair Witch scene, yeah. And I, I have no idea why they decided to do that, yeah. And they were and it had quotes on it like the scariest movie ever, yes. There like were extreme okay, people saw this at a festival back when it was called The Woods, and well, it was the same movie, they must have known it was a Blair Witch movie, um, but they. It's like that festival hype thing where people are so excited to get uh an exclusive uh, advanced viewing of something. And there are ten scenes in the movie. I will say that. but like I took my wife to see this movie. And she thought it was going to be the scariest thing she'd ever seen. Well, dude, I remember we were pretty pumped for it because it was a Blair Witch sequel and it was directed by Adam Wingard. We and like, and written by Simon Barrett, who yeah. is a very clever screenwriter. Yeah, he's an awesome... He, he comes up with really interesting stories. But there's maybe like two good set pieces. Are basically, once they actually get inside the house of the Blair Witch... There's a lot of creepy stuff that happens. Yeah, that's some good almost everything before that Uh, is is pretty bad. I was so bummed out by this movie, man. And a lot of stuff that really doesn't make sense. I mean, there's one part where uh, uh, a woman cuts her foot and then she has something growing inside her and she has to take it out. But it's not explained. That might as well be in a different movie. It, It came at a time where there was a bit of found footage fatigue, which I think we're still kind of in i think people are kind of or not for me dude i freaking love found footage yeah you actually (laughs) really like found footage um but i think i think maybe just the majority of people were done were kind of over found footage at least at the time I, i saw simon simon barrett showed up on red letter media and they were talking about the guest and um then they started talking about blair witch and he was just like yeah that didn't turn out how the way we wanted and it seemed like he was just i think it seemed like he thought the movie would be received better like it's not like it wasn't the movie they intended it just it i guess it's just it just didn't match up with what people wanted i feel like there there were good ideas in there that just weren't explained yeah i think maybe they thought this would kickstart a new franchise and maybe they saved their best stuff for later but this killed the franchise dude which is a real bummer because there's a lot of really interesting mythology with the Blair Witch. The mystery behind it, I, you remember there was a lot, it was a lot of the marketing around it was yeah. like, this is a real thing. That's why everyone was and, so scared because it yeah, was, it was the mean, first viral campaign. And if you go back, when's the, the last internet time you watched that movie, new. I I remember watching it, I think it was like 17 or something. Um, so I guess old enough to know what a good movie is, I don't know. Um but I remember thinking it was pretty effective. I just like found footage, dude. I just like it. Yeah,
1: it, just, it like, just like like monsters
0: some... punching each other isn't really my thing. For some <laughs> reason, found footage movies just tickle my fancy. You get spooked so bad. Um, what was what was next after Blair Witch? With... Then Death Note. Okay. the The thing Death Note was not received well. So he had two. Um, I mean, Death Note was on Netflix, but. One was a commercial and a critical failure and that was Blair Witch. And then Death Note was a critical failure. Well, um, okay, yeah, cuz it came out on Netflix, so it wasn't yeah. an opportunity to bomb. But he he still gets he he's still getting big movies, which I want to talk about. But I remember really liking Death Note. I didn't really like it too much, but I remember thinking like, ah, "It's okay." Yeah. I didn't I didn't mind it. It had a lot of people in it that I really liked. I like Shea Wingham and, uh, Lakeith Stanfield was in it. Lakeith Stanfield. Willem Dafoe is the monster. Yeah. I, I actually really like the monster, um, in the design of that. I but, think. um, yeah, it was, it was a very unique movie because you could definitely see the manga influences. They didn't try to Americanize it too much. And I, I don't know too much about the source material. So, and I, I think that's a pretty poor place to come from. Um, critically when you say like it doesn't follow the source material therefore i don't like it just like just judge the movie you know yeah and the movie i thought was a lot of fun i would watch it again yeah it's a fun movie i i've gone back to it and i think it's i think it's fun just to turn on and turn your brain off and have a good time yeah yeah so, uh, yeah, what does he have in the works? Is the I Saw the Devil remake still on? Or yeah, but he, he's been attached to that forever. I really don't know if it's going to get off the ground, but recently he announced that he has two projects in the works. One is a Face Off sequel. Oh, that's right. Yes, and the, which, funny enough, he said Face Off was one of the biggest influences when they shot Action for the Guest. Nice. So he's probably seen that movie so many times. You know what you know what would be great casting for the face off remake? Nicholas Cage and John Travolta? Nope. Nick Nicolas Cage versus Nicolas Cage. Oh that would be great. How great would that be? Um so that and a Thundercats movie. Oh sweet. Man, he's doing big things. Exactly. And like- he started out just making micro budget. Features at nineteen. Yeah, I Pretty crazy. Hollywood works in mysterious ways, dude. Because if you have success with a, a small indie movie, they could just hand you a blockbuster. Well, so they can. Well, the you know the theory is that they just try to control you and boss you around. They try to get someone who who they can control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's a hit, I mean that that just means money in your pockets, and you can make something else. Yeah. But, yeah, good for him. uh it's pretty awesome that he got to where he did and uh again uh Godzilla is it Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla? there is no king, it's Godzilla versus Kong Godzilla versus Kong yeah, fun movie you, you probably have a good time adam wingard uh very fun director, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see his genuinely excited to see his next movie, whether that be a mm-hmm. face off sequel or a Thundercat's movie because I think he is one of the more unique directors working right now. What's his favorite spell from Harry Potter? What? Wingardian Leviosa. That's not even... How, whatever. That's they, not how you say it? Okay, that's a, that's a perfect time to wrap this up. Okay, okay great. All right, well, uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. Uh, we're exiting the uh, Movieverse of Madness, and uh, we'll be back uh, sometime in You are now exiting the Movieverse of Madness. We'll see you soon.